Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to help you make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. If you're going to pick stocks, you need a healthy amount of skepticism. But you can't have too much skepticism to the point of corrosion. You need the ability to believe in something. Otherwise, you'll miss out on amazing opportunities that this market affords you. We saw some of them play out today. Even as the averages were kind of not so hot, Dow dipping 159 points, S&P declining 0.42%, Nasdaq sinking 0.79%, although those closing prices were well off the lows. I think we've got a big problem here on Wall Street. That's where I'm located right now, Wall Street. Put simply, most people don't trust the market anymore. They don't trust CEOs. They don't trust individual companies. There's endless skepticism and little sincere belief. Now, I'm planning to run a whole series on why we've lost faith in the market. You and I both know that's happened. Why most people have given up on owning pieces of individual companies. A lot of it comes down to the fact that the day-to-day action rarely makes much sense. So much trading, so much trying to game things, stocks going up or down for reasons that have nothing to do with the underlying companies. It's discouraging, incoherent, and maddening all at the same time. But there are still some glorious moments when the market works like it's supposed to. That's why tonight I'm kicking off my Buy America series with two non-dysfunctional examples, both of which were highly gettable. I know that because we own them big for my charitable trust. First, this morning, Eli Lilly reported a simply tremendous quarter led by great numbers from Mujaro. And that's the diabetes slash weight loss drug I repeatedly and endlessly said could be the biggest drug of all time. I believe that when all is said and done, we'll find out that it can help you shed about 18% of your weight. It can lower your blood pressure. It can prevent cardiovascular disease and sleep apnea. And it can even stop heavy drinking. One shot, once a week. What a miracle. Truly phenomenal. We also got some data from Novo Nordisk, a competitor, which has a competing drug in the same class, known as either Wagovi or Ozempic. They say it might just be a matter of time before a huge chunk of the population has its life altered by this medication. I think the health insurers and Medicare will come around to paying for these drugs because they are that life-saving. In response to terrific numbers and the positive pin action... From Novo Nordisk, Eli Lilly's stock jumped nearly 15% today. It makes sense. You see, if they really have one of the best-selling drugs in history, you could argue a 15% gain is just too small. Maybe it should have been 25%. 
Either way, this company is worth a heck of a lot more today than it was yesterday when we didn't have this incredibly positive new information. You invent an amazing new product. It sells like crazy. Then your stock soars. That's perfectly rational action. By the way, the other side of the trade makes sense, too. The medical device companies that help regulate diabetes and sleep apnea, they saw their stocks sell off today. They'll have less business if Lily Shot does what I think it will do. If it does what the company claims it can do, perfectly logical that they're selling off because there's so many things that this Majaro can do right. Second example of the market working right. Does it make sense that NVIDIA is the number one performing stock of the year in the S&P 500? Of course it does. This company makes semiconductors that previously were only used to give you the best graphics and video games. Cool business, but definitely not enough to justify a $1.1 trillion market cap. But then we found out that NVIDIA's chips are the backbone of artificial intelligence. Nobody else comes close. This morning, in a simply brilliant talk, CEO Jensen Wong showed you how bundles of their high-end semiconductors can allow you to talk directly to a machine and have it generate amazing ideas using artificial intelligence that you can't possibly have by yourself. And it does it in a very democratic way. You don't need a comp side degree from Caltech to use it. You just talk. You can tell it you want to design a plant that makes new electric cars for Mercedes-Benz. The machine does pretty much everything else because it can generate inferred intelligence. It basically has digital robots that it teaches to quickly do what you want them to do, then goes out and renders the plan on their own. Then you can make adjustments also by talking to the machine. You want more space for workers, it draws it. You want lithium-ion batteries in the engine, it draws it. You You can make it as perfect as you want. Then you can take their design and build its giant digital twin, the factory itself. A $100 million facility built with older equipment could be replaced with an $8 million investment in NVIDIA's new technology, with 20 times less power used. The largest market in the world by far is the manufacturing market, especially the factory building side of the equation. I watched the video of Jensen Rapp this morning explaining how, if used effectively, his technology could revolutionize the entire manufacturing economy. Trillions of dollars worth of manufacturing, largest business in the world. As he tells it, the more NVIDIA chips you buy, the more you'll save on the rest of your business. No wonder his stock is the year's biggest winner. Find me another company that can invent something that upends the world as we know it, that can impact $50 trillion in heavy industry. When you look at it through that lens, NVIDIA absolutely deserves this $1.1 trillion valuation. If anything, the number's probably too low. The other side of the trade, well, given their AI dominance, it stands to reason you might want to pay less for other semiconductors with chips that are much less powerful. Little chance of ever catching up. That doesn't have to happen today. See, you, you, you need to think twice if Jensen's right. And I have no doubt, no reason to doubt the word of the man I call Da Vinci, because he's a genuine renaissance man. He's never steered me wrong. Very rational that this stock's been unstoppable. Now, there are other companies that reported admittedly weak earnings today. Alderix didn't like how its quarter closed itself. So its stock lost nearly 18% of its value. It makes sense. Datadog came in in the quarter with sky-high expectations. So high, we got a growth forecast. It was really good, not great. Stock plunges 17%. But for the most part, thousands of stocks move down and up on nothing other than some silly short-term nonsense that's not worth your time. It's like the stuff only exists to make you confused. That's what's throwing so many people off. That's why I want to get it correct and that you should be in individual stocks, not just index funds. So why can't we just find the Eli Lilly or NVIDIA and own them? 
Hey, we can, and we did. At least you remember the investing club, because I hounded you to own these stocks. But many others were scared away from Lilly by bad press about how patients were giving up on the drug in droves. Not true. We saw tons of stories about how it would be a fad. Not true. We heard it caused suicidal ideation. Hey, so does life. All these stories scared you away from this fantastic stock. We stuck with it for the investing club because we'd done the homework. We were focused, we believed. NVIDIA. Why did so few people I know own it? I mean, did they not hear that I named my late dog NVIDIA? Did they not listen to my endless multi-year pan to the man and the myth? No. When I look back, I think many investors were misled by the past. They just couldn't believe that a gaming company would be able to stand up to, say, Intel. They thought the whole thing was too pie in the sky to be credible. They chose not to believe, and they missed out on two of the most the greatest values I've ever seen. Bottom line, you can potentially make big money by keeping your eyes and ears open as long as you suspend your corrosive, sardonic, skeptical, overly critical self and accept the reality that sometimes companies invent amazing things that generate hundreds of billions or even trillions of dollars of wealth. You can grab some of that wealth. You can claim your fair share, but only if you are willing to believe. Chris in New Jersey. Chris. Hey, Jim, a big Garden State Booyah for me and my daughter, Olivia. Booyah! Excellent. Booyah, Olivia, obviously very, very good familiar Booyah. How can I help? Hey, Jim, I was calling about Nextera Energy, ticker symbol NEE. My father picked it up for me a while ago, and I'm sitting on a nice gain and a great dividend yield. They increased their dividends by about 10% annually. However, the stocks had a decline in the last year. My question to you is, should I stay put? Um, and, and, and I, I so actually want you dividend. to stay put. I mean, it's not my favorite. Look, I, I have I like one oak and I like Enbridge, but I would not have you sell next era down here. It's too low. I think it's not great, but I think it's too low. James in New York. James. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. There's a man. Who's, you come to play. I like that. I want people to come to play. How can I help? Oh, bro. I've been following you since the street dot com back in the 90s. Love your show. Wow. <clears throat> Awesome, man. Thank and also, you. great piece last night on the FTC. I love the fact that you have you tell everything in candor. You tell it like it is. I sure try. You're Thank the man. you. Thank All you. All right. <clears throat> yeah, Jim, I have a question. Uh, we, we both own Palo Alto. Right. <clears throat> I, obviously, um, you know, since Fortinet went down, it went down in sympathy and with a downgrade, too. Uh, but I have a question about it. Sure. Maybe they... They re- uh, Power Alto came out and said that they're going to report uh, 10 days from now. It's a Friday afternoon in the summer at 4 o'clock. Now, you know, when you're working on your tomato garden and, uh, you know, we started our weekend, is that a red flag? Is no, I didn't like it. I don't like that they're doing it. I don't like that Nikesh Aurora is doing that. I agree with you. I know that he's got to do a lot of one-on-one meetings. I know he's going to lay out a very long uh, plan. I wish he were not reporting on that Friday. And I think it's scaring people and the shorts are ganging up and they're trying to knock it down all because of that Friday deadline. It is a shame because I think the company's got a three-year outlook and that is going to be worth owning. All right. And thank you for the kind comments. Now, you can claim some of the wealth of these great companies, but only if you're willing to believe. And I'm going to try to get you to believe. I'll make money tonight. And may we learn that One Oak, one of my favorites, will be acquiring Magellan Midstream Partners in a deal that shakes up the pipeline space. I'm learning what the deal means for you. Right from Magellan's top brass. Then Restaurant Brands International, that's the company behind Burger King and Popeyes, reported pretty better than expected results for the second quarter. So why did the stock not do anything? 
I'm getting the bottom of that one with the company's executive chairman. And from weight loss to Alzheimer's, Eli Lilly has several key treatments, which is why I caught our eye for the Travel Trust. And I'm learning more about what's in that pipeline, as I mentioned at the top of the show when we speak to the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. oil back in the low 80s, we need to talk about pipelines. Even though we've got oceans of oil and gas in this country, we don't have nearly enough infrastructure to get it from where it's produced, usually the middle of nowhere to high population areas where it's needed. That's why I've always got an eye on the pipeline plays. And something interesting happened in this group back in May when we learned that One Oaks buying Magellan Midstream Partners for $18.8 billion in cash and stock. That's a 22% premium to where shares were previously traded. Both companies said there could be two to $400 million of annual synergies from the deal. That could be a big distribution coming. And for the sake of history, longtime viewers know that I have been fond of both companies. However, because Magellan Midstream is structured as a publicly traded partnership, while One Oaks a traditional C-Corp, there are some complicated tax consequences to the deal, which is why some of the Magellan shareholders have said they're voting against the merger. 
Magellan's management feels quite different. They say their investors will only pay new taxes from the takeover premium, and there's a lot more to be had here. More importantly, they point out that the timing of the One Oak deal is advantageous because the taxes owed by Magellan's long-term unit holders are likely to increase substantially soon, even if it continues as an independent entity. I know it's complicated, which is why I want to take a closer look with Aaron Milford. He is on the Magellan Midstream side. He's the president and CEO of Magellan Midstream. And that's we've got to talk about what happened to the unit holders. I also, of course, want to talk about the deal. Mr. Milford, welcome to Man Bio. Well, thanks for having me. Well, first, I want people to understand that this combination is a powerful one and that I have a believer, as like I had Enbridge last night, that people should be shifting from traditional electric utilities that are yielding 3 to 4% to consistent pipeline companies that aren't nearly as levered to a commodity as you think. Sure. So why don't you just talk us through the new One Oak Bajel and what it would look like? Well, the combined company is really going to be exciting, to your point. It will have refined products, uh, transportation, so things like moving gasoline, diesel, jet fuel. It'll be moving crude oil from places like the Permian Basin to Houston. But we're going to add to that, with the merger with One Oak, moving natural gas liquids and natural gas. So you'll have a company that will have all of those commodities, and it's primarily a fee-based business, to your point. Right. So let's go over that. Now, people may say, well, wait a second. If oil's going down and natural gas going down, then the distribution would go down. It's quite the opposite. It's just that's not the way these companies work at all. No, we're a volume business. Right. And as long as the, the products are demanded and needed, we'll make more money. So as the commodity price moves around, as long as it's needed, we'll continue to move it, and we'll actually do quite well. And the One Oak side, I think, and I followed One Oak because the, the CFO, Walter Hulse, old friend of mine from Summit, New Jersey, uh, has U.S. LNG export. I mean, it's a terrific, a terrific business, and uh, they're in the catbird seat. Yeah, I mean, exports are an important story for the U.S. energy complex. You know, we need the energy here in the United States. We're focused on that. But the fact is the world needs the energy as well. So we're going to be continuing to export more and more. Uh, refined products, crude oil, natural gas liquids uh, out of this country for a very long time because the world needs the energy. And people don't seem to understand we are short oil pipelines. We don't have enough. Magellan has the best. Well, we think we have the best. No, I know you All do. Right. I've looked at this a long time. You <laughs> we do think we have the best. And right, at, at this moment, I think we might have enough uh, oil pipelines, for instance, out of the Permian to Houston or Corpus. It's probably okay right now. But as drilling continues to increase, we're going to need more infrastructure. Absolutely. Because the demand isn't going away, whether it's in the United States or in the world. Now, one issue that I've been reluctant to tackle on the show is what people's what will happen to people's personal taxes, because that is very much to be decided between a person and their accountant. At the same time, though, when it comes to a deal maybe not going through because of tax issues, I have to just bring up what happens to someone who uh, has been a long term holder of Magellan and, and, and this deal goes through. It's a really good question. What we have to focus on is the value that we're creating. This deal that we have, that we're, we have with one of, it represents a full value for Magellan. It's a full value. Right. And it's a value that, frankly, will be difficult for us to replicate standalone. I know. Right? I remember the old and, days. And then, and it was so just it's hard. A, it's a full value on the way in. And then you look at the combined company. We've already talked about the combined company, and we see the the resilience, the diversification, the growth potential in the combined company. You put those together, it's a really powerful value proposition. So that's where you have to start, is that value proposition. Okay. And once you understand that, now let's talk about taxes. Okay. You know, as as you know, a master limited partnership is a tax-deferred investment. It's not tax-free. 
Right. So what that means is eventually the taxes are going to come due. Right. The question right. is, do you want more, which we think the transaction provides more, or do you want less? But you're paying the taxes anyway. Right. I mean, more, I mean, when you add the premium in, it's almost, it's very difficult to see why someone wouldn't want the premium. Then eventually they have to pay taxes no matter what. You're paying the taxes either way, Jim. Right. It, it, go back to uh, before we announced this deal. Magellan was trading at $55.41. Right. We announced this transaction. We have the potential to put $67.50 of value on the table based on the, the terms or, the, or the, at the time, the value of the companies. It's traded as high as $70 right. recently in terms of what our unit holders would receive. So you want $55 or you potentially want $70? You're paying the taxes on both sides. I don't think people realize, and I know this for the previous regime, you know, we have a government with a FERC that is not necessarily pro-master limited partnership. It's not like the, the, the government's out there trying to make more money for you. That's not been the case. No, infrastructure has been difficult yes. of late, right? You're, very, um, you're, you're a gentleman. <laughs> infrastructure has been difficult. But you, you, you bring up a good point in the sense that it's absolutely required. Yes. If we want to benefit from the resources we have in this country, we're going to have to have infrastructure to do it. That's what this combined company will more powerfully provide than even we can do by ourselves is that infrastructure so that we can enjoy the resources we have in this country. Well, I can't own individual stocks, but as a, someone who always loved the MLPs before the old days, before when I could, uh, this deal is just a, a major win. And I think people who are voting against it, frankly, don't understand the economics of a great deal. Well, it's full value. Combined companies, sure really exciting. Yes, you're going to have to pay the taxes, but you owe them anyway. Perfect. That is Aaron Milford. He's the president and CEO of Magellan Midstream Partners, MMP. Those people who know the trust know that I've liked MMP for a long time. And One Oak is such a great company. This is terrific. Man, buddy's back here from the break. Coming up, ticker symbol QSR has a lot on its plate. Save room for dessert. Kramer's got the top chef next. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. What's it going to take for Restaurant Brands International to make its next move higher? I've been recommending this company, the parent of Burger King, Tim Hortons, Popeyes, and Firehouse Subs, since late last year, when they brought in Patty Doyle, former CEO of Domino's, as the new executive chairman. So far, it's worked out pretty well, with the stock up nearly 25% since Doyle came on board. But having said that, Restaurant Brands stock has been stuck trading sideways for the last few months. I thought that would change when the company reported yet another stellar quarter today. 
Oh, and it was stellar. 9.6% same floor sales growth. That's big. And an $0.08 cent earnings beat off a $0.77 cent basis. Yet after opening higher and trading up nearly 3% initially, the stock actually finished the day down slightly, which frankly, given those numbers, is just nuts. I think you're getting a tremendous quarter for free, but don't take it from me. Earlier today, I spoke with Patrick Doyle, the executive chairman of Restaurant Brands International, to learn more. Take a look. Mr. Doyle, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim, how are you? I am good, Pat. How about you? I'm doing great. Now, I've got to tell you, you're feeling great. But then on the conference call today, I, I have to tell you, you're at the beginning of the call before you got on, all very positive. Then you come on and you just point blank say that your numbers are not what you aspire to. So tell us how you did and tell us how you can do better. Yeah, it was it was a great quarter overall. System-wide sales are up 14%, EBITDA up 10. Tim's is doing incredibly well. Comps were 12 and a half. Burger King in the US up high uh, single digits, 8.3, I think. International had a terrific quarter. So overall great. You know, what I said that that you know, we aren't quite there yet on is uh, is restaurant growth. And we need a little bit more. We're about 4% year over year. I said on the call, I'm confident we'll get to 5 plus percent restaurant growth next year and going forward. And that's a big area we've still got to work on. Well, okay. So what does it take? I mean, to me, I would want a franchise. I'd I'd buy a master franchise if I could with those kinds of numbers. The payback's got to be pretty swift. Yeah, payback is is good, particularly the international businesses are doing great. As we continue to focus on you know the returns at the restaurant level, I'm confident we're going to get that that uh, that restaurant store count growth going the right direction, a little higher than it is right now. All right, now I don't want to dwell too much on on Popeyes, but I used to have Cheryl Batchelder on all the time, and I love the yeah. chain, and I know you spent a lot of time on it, and I know that the year before this company was bought, it had 7% comps. And a lot of that was because they had a kind of a new thing every month. Are we going to see something like that? Because I've got to tell you, I know you're making some changes. I know that you can, that it's more habit your way than it's ever been. But I also know that the numbers aren't what you'd like. Yeah, you know, I think they were a little over 4% domestically. Internationally, it's going incredibly well. I think our system sales are roughly double what they were when we bought it. Um, at the end of 2017. So we've made great progress with the business. Blackened chicken sandwiches are out. They're doing great. Our ghost pepper wings are terrific. Those are new products we've introduced. We're going to get it going the right way. I think the one thing we've got to work on with Popeyes, in addition to continuing to roll out some great new products, is we've just got to make it a little bit easier to run, which is going to give faster service. It's a little slow right now versus where it needs to be, but we've got some things we're working on that I think are going to speed that up and generate some really good growth. All right, I want to talk about Tim Hortons because the numbers are extraordinary. And yet again, you're not satisfied. You want uh, If Starbucks were here, they would be saying, I can't believe the numbers are doing. But you talk about how evening parts not doing well enough. What can you do to make evening sales better? Actually, evening grew a lot. I mean, evening grew, uh, you know, I think 15 percent plus in uh, in the second quarter. So it's making great progress, but, you know, still more to 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 work on there. Overall, I mean, Tim's up 12 and a half percent. Given the scale of that business, we got order count growth. 
We're continuing to grow in cold beverage. That's now 40% of our beverage sales. So overall, absolutely going the right way. I guess what I'd highlight is, you know, we still see lots of upside, lots of areas that we continue to grow this business. To me, it's all about the opportunity. Understood. Now, how about reclaim the flame? Where do we see that? How are you capturing capturing younger people? I know you've got a good TikTok marketing uh, plan. Where, just in the time since I've known you from from Popeyes, we've had the market very very differently. But where are you reaching people with Reclaim the Flame? Yeah, so Reclaim the Flame is really about a few things. So first of all. Uh, it's about reinvesting from the company standpoint. We're reinvesting in advertising just to give the more the brand more presence. I think we're seeing some really nice momentum starting to build from that uh, in the second quarter and, and following over really from late last year. We've had good growth in that business. We're getting the, the franchisees profitability to a better place. The last bigger, longer term thing we've got to work on is We've got a little less than half of our restaurants in a new image today. We've got to fix that, right? They've all got to look great. That's going to take a few years to work through that. But, you know, we're partnering with our franchisees to do that. Over time, we're going to have a brand that looks as good as the food is. How, how does the, the European stores look? I mean, I've been to a couple of the European stores. They, they look great to me. But I see France, Australia, UK, Spain happy with what's going on. Yeah, I mean, the the business outside of the U.S. system sales for Burger King for the quarter were over four billion and they were up 18 and a half percent. I mean, just unbelievable growth in that business. And to me, that's the model, right? It's great looking stores. They're more digital than we are in the U.S. The food is terrific like it is in the U.S., so I, I really think that uh, the model is there. If we can get the assets looking, the restaurants looking as good as they do internationally in the U.S., get a little more aggressive with the use of digital, uh, I, I think we're absolutely going to get there on the domestic side as well. All right. Let me ask the toughest question. When I see how you're doing and you just described and when I know what you're doing at Tim Hortons, I see the progress at Popeye's. I say to myself, why does why does Pat Doyle worry about firehouse subs? Why not let that one go and and just say, listen, the big money's being made in these other chains? Yeah, it, I mean, look, it, it is relatively small compared to the others. Here's the upside. Sandwich category is terrific and growing. Big opportunity there domestically. Outside of the U.S., there is really only one player. It's Subway. So we just launched our first store out of North, uh, outside of North America in Switzerland. It's doing great. We're signing deals with franchisees around the world, many of them already within our system, who are looking for an entrance into the sandwich category. We're there before Jersey Mike's. We're there before Jimmy John's. You know, we think we've got a real opportunity to build a big business outside of the U.S. and great growth opportunities domestically as well. Well, well look, I've got to tell you, you are so difficult to satisfy. And that's one of the reasons why we like restaurant, <laughs> restaurant Brands International so much. I want to thank Patrick Doyle, Restaurant Brands Executive Chairman. And these are great numbers. Pat, congratulations. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. May have money's back there for the break. Coming up, Eli Lilly roared on strong earnings. Kramer digs into the lab results with the company's top brass. Next.
Even bad days can be great for your portfolio when you own the right stocks, as I said at the top of the show. Today was awful for the averages, but shareholders in Eli Lilly, <laughs> including my Chapel Trust, we don't feel that way. The big pharma titan saw its stock surge nearly 15% today. That's a jaw-dropping move for a nearly $500 billion company. Now, how do you get this kind of action? A move that turned Eli Lilly into the largest healthcare company on earth by market cap? Simple, I guess. Lilly reported yet another excellent quarter. Huge revenue beat, big earnings beat. Management raised their full-year forecast substantially. Second, and possibly more important, Lilly has this diabetes drug. It's called Monjaro. It's likely to receive FDA approval maybe as a weight loss pill. It belongs to the same class of drugs as Novo Nordisk Wagovi. And today we found out that Wagovi can reduce the risk of major adverse cardiovascular events by 20% in obese and overweight adults. That's huge for Novo Nordisk, but it's also huge for Lilly. It means Majoro might be more than just a weight loss drug. It could have wide-ranging health benefits for diabetics and people with obesity. Right now, it is in a shot form, just so you know. So let's check in with Dave Ricks. He's the chairman and CEO of Eli Lilly to get a better read on both the quarter and Majoro's incredible prospects. Mr. Ricks, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Great to be with you. David, you have on your hands some incredible drugs, but we've got to talk about Manjaro first because you're dealing with a, a, a drug that, can see, that is doing unbelievable, thing, unbelievable things for diabetics and maybe one day can do something for weight loss, for blood pressure, for people who drink too much, for sleep apnea. I think our viewers want to know, first of all, how it's doing for diabetes, and second, how could it possibly do so many other good things for a person's body? Yeah, you know, it really is an amazing medicine that has a chance to reach tens of millions of people in this country and beyond, of course, and affect, uh, affect their health and how they feel every day, and maybe extend life. So we're just learning about the benefits here. And today, as you note, a uh, competitor read out an important study looking at cardiovascular benefits in people who don't have diabetes. We already know these drugs, incretins, improve cardiovascular outcomes and, and mortality risk in people with diabetes. Now we now we know it can also help people without diabetes who are obese. Um, our drug, um, Manjaro, is currently approved in type 2 diabetes. I get stories every day, Jim, letters from patients who are, their life is being changed by this. Their glucose is under control. They're coming off other medications. They're losing lots of weight. They feel much better. We know we can um, affect obesity as well. That's under review at the FDA now. We expect approval by the end of the year. What we need to find out next is by affecting weight in people without diabetes, can we reduce other risk factors in health? Those studies are underway and, and will be rolling out as early as 24. Now, this is one of the few drugs I've ever seen where, frankly, there isn't enough of it. Now, I understand you have a new facility just open, but if, if everything works out, we're dealing with a drug that may be given to so far in excess of what you can produce right now. What is Eli Lilly doing to meet demand? Yeah, thank you for that question, because it's, it's my top priority, is expanding the capacity of our ability to make uh, not just Manjaro, but other drugs like it in our pipeline to meet uh, the challenge uh, here, which is a great opportunity as well, of course. Um, people are frustrated when they can't get their medicine. We understand that, and we're going to fix that problem. Today, we announced two things that are important. One, you just mentioned our new uh, very large factory, which we just built in North Carolina and Research Triangle, uh, opened and is doing in is producing a commercial product now. So now we begin a new sort of ramp. Uh, we said last year that by December, our monthly output will be about double what we did last year. So this facility is key to put us on that path. We also announced two other important actions, which is 
we will be launching uh, Manjaro in a vial where there's a lot of capacity in the world to make vials and medicines, um, as well as a multi-use pen that we currently use for another diabetes product, Humalog and insulin, which we've repurposed and re-engineered for Manjaro. This will allow us to launch outside the U.S., um, enabling opportunity in, in those markets and people to benefit from the drug there, but also taking some pressure off U.S. supply um, from the global demand. So um, I think all three of these actions will help in the midterm. That said, uh, what you're mentioning is important. Probably last year around the world, 10, 12 million people used this class of drugs for diabetes. There's almost a billion people who could benefit from obesity medications, according to the WHO, by 2045. So um, we need to do a lot more, and we're, we're planning on doing just that, scaling factories, producing more factories. But um, it'll take a little time, uh, but we're committed to that task. Now, I know you can never predict what Medicare will do. You never predict what the payers will do. But when I look at what this drug can do, it attacks the, at the very core what our healthcare system has failed at, but more importantly, what human nature doesn't allow. I know people think, you know, healthcare, well, it's exercise and eating well. Actually, you know what, David, you and I both know that at the highest level, the doctors in this country know it's not true, that diet and exercise doesn't work for the vast majority of people who are obese. This is a huge healthcare issue, and I have to believe the payers recognize that diet and exercise just doesn't work for most people. Well, I think we're still in that process. Jim, I know you've been active with, with the brain health issues, and our company was a part of the revolution in treating depression in this country with the invention of Prozac. And before we had Prozac, people thought doctors would tell you, well, you're just a little sad. We know that's not true. There's something called clinical depression. We now treat it like a disease. I think in five, 10 years, we'll look back and think about a chronic weight management and obesity the same way. That we used to say, well, why don't you just eat a little better and exercise? And we'll learn that a lot of people will need a medication to control their weight adequately over time. In fact, our own study, the Surmount One study announced last year, showed this in a pretty exquisite way because not only did people lose a lot of weight, 22% of their body weight on Manjaro or Terzepatide, but it was surprising to all of us how poorly the placebo group did because they were on a calorie-restricted diet and exercise. On average, they only lost 2.5% or uh, five pounds yeah. uh, over the course of 72 weeks. Diet and exercise is frustrating. It's hard to comply with. It doesn't work for people who are already overweight. So um, we need these medications to treat a number of diseases. You, you mentioned the, the study from our competitor. Next year, we have two right. important studies reading out. One for sleep apnea, which right. you mentioned. That will probably be first. And there's, I think, seven, eight million people use CPAP machines in this country. Um, and we have high confidence in that study. And another one for congestive heart failure, which is the number one reason seniors are hospitalized in this country. Yeah. A big problem and driven by overweight as well. Yeah. So uh, we're attacking that problem by producing the data, but we also need to attack it with what you're raising here, which is destigmatizing this disease. And I'm so glad you mentioned that blood pressure much better. I know it's taboo to talk about, but people drank too much during COVID. This is a way to be able to make it so the heavy drinker might have a shot. I thank you for mentioning the work that I do with the Brain Foundation. When I was at the, when I ran the gala, all people were talking about is the, the hope, the possibility of what you're doing for Alzheimer's. Where do we stand? Yes. Yeah, a great quarter there, too. You know, we've been talking for several years, Jim, about our Alzheimer's program. Lily's been investing billions for several decades to get to something that could slow this disease materially. 
And we had a big uh, readout in May with the Trailblazer 2 program for donanumab. This uh, drug demonstrated a 35% slowing of this disease. It's not a cure, but that's a very significant slowdown. Could mean a, a year or two of uh, delay in those symptoms progressing. That's independence, more anniversaries, more birthdays, uh, happy moments with your family. That's important to seniors and important to the healthcare costs. The, this disease costs over $200 billion a year to Medicare to treat. Um, so that happened, uh, and that was a replication of a prior smaller study. First time we've had a replication of a drug and the biggest effect side we've seen. We announced uh, today, we submitted that to the FDA right. in Q2, and uh, we do expect approval by the end of the year. Well, so that's, uh, that's coming very soon. Well, that's fantastic. Dave, I want to congratulate you for everybody and how much Lily has done for so many families in this country and what you're doing right now. That's David Ricks, Chairman and CEO of Eli Lilly. May have money's back here for the break. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy. Time for the lightning round. Clears everybody. Let's start with Brandon in New Jersey. Brandon. Uh, hey, Jim. Brandon. Jimmy Chill, you got him. What's going on? Uh, so I was, um, I saw some insider buying on uh, Crock Stock, and I was wondering what you thought about it. I like Crocs, but I worry about the fat aspect and one day coming in, seeing it down too low. So I'm going to take a pass on it. Let's go to Dave in Illinois. Dave. Dr. Kramer, my mad Philly friend. Can we settle the sandwich debate once and for all? Pats, Geno's, or Tony Luke's? No, it's Geno's. It's always been Geno's. It's where my dad and I had our birthday's birthday. We always hit it in the inner sanctum. Dave, I'll take you there any day of the week. Well, whiz with. What's happening? Jim, this $20 billion cloud security company is up 75% off its 2022 low and up some 30% so far this year. Last month, you featured this company with others as a third-tier cloud company. So, Jim, I ask your thoughts on Zscaler. Dave, I'm worried about Microsoft actually going into competition with Zscaler, and they've been partners. So I'm going to have to say we want to avoid that one, Dave. Just the way, same way we have to avoid the bears, frankly, when it comes to fantasy. Sorry. Let's go to Tony in New York. Tony! Hello, Jim. How are you? Tony, I'm good. How about you? I'm doing good, Jim. Jim, as you know, ETR Properties, the real estate investment trust that owns experiential properties like movie theaters, water parks, and ski centers, it pays a sweet dividend, uh, about seven and a half. Yeah, but Tony, I got to tell you, they are—they—they are un—they are not worth our trust because now I'm not saying they're dishonest, but I am saying that they've been too episodic in the way they report their earnings. Honest guys, episodic numbers. Pass. Steve in California. Steve. Jimbo, greetings from Sacramento, a place that's been in your heart. Tenth and P. I used to live there, but of course in my car. Very nice neighborhood. What's up? Hey, I'm thoroughly confused by a stock I'm labeling the dog of the Dow. It's been down 10 days in a row after decent earnings. Couldn't go higher yesterday with the Dow at 400 and can't go higher into its ex-dividend date. What is wrong with Honeywell? 
Oh my, I am so angry. Now, this, I do this home, this home stretch thing with Jeff Marks. We do it it's around a little bit after two. He and I went head to head. I thought it was time to buy. We're going to hold it till we think it goes a little bit lower, but I am furious. I think the company's got to do something. I haven't felt this way a long time about Honeywell. I agree with you. But we will buy a little more lower once we're able to do so. I need to go to Bill in Massachusetts. Bill! Hi, Jim Kramer. This is Bill Drummy uh, in Weymouth, Massachusetts. I'm not giving you a booyah, not a double booyah, not a triple booyah. I'm giving you a quadruple booyah. Holy cow, quad 50 right in your face. I love it. How can I help? Mr. Jim, I just need to take 30 seconds to thank you, Jeff, Sean. Your staff is incredible. These guys work, these young men work so hard. And for an older guy like me, I appreciate that. I have a question on General Dynamics. Sure. The uh, conflicts in Russia started the war, China getting aggressive with all its neighbors, stealing our intellectual uh, property, and the the goings on in the South China Sea. I've been right. doing my homework, like you suggest, and I found General Dynamics. It's been up 17% Look, a year for the last I think five General years. Dynamics is a buy. And I have to tell you, I think the CEO is terrific. It's, it's the right level, 2.3% dividend. And I got to tell you, a chart that is next to Boston Properties is one of the best in the book. Gen Dyne, as some mistakenly call it, is for me. Can I go? Can I go to Rosanna in California? Rosanna. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking the call. Of course. Love everything you and Jeff do. I'm a member of the investment oh, Fantastic. How about that, Eli Lilly? How about that, NVIDIA? We get some, right? How can I help? Yes. Um, I'm wondering about a, a medical stock that I just came across. It seems to be doing well. Um, it, it is near its uh, 52-week high. Okay. CBX. Oh, they are such a well-run outfit. I got to tell you, I wish we owned that for the club. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. keep hearing about how short sellers are being crushed by this market. I say they're crushing themselves because so much of this pain is self-inflicted. The house of pain. They stayed short too long once again and got their heads handed to them justifiably. Consider the case of Wayfair, the online furniture retailer. Now, it's obvious why people shorted the stock. Wayfair was losing money and sells furniture, which we know went out of style when the pandemic ended, causing consumers to stop spending on hard goods and start spending on travel and leisure. And you know what? That was a great reason to short Wayfair. Last year, you could have made a killing, but to keep shorting it now when the economy's finally going in the right direction with actual business momentum, just pure idiocy. Bulls make money, bears make money, but pigs, well, guess what? Slaughtered. The people who continue to short Wayfair definitely fall into that category. They're now the other white meat. I feel the same way about Carvana. This was like GameStop, which plunged to below $5 before exploding to $400 on the strength of the meme stock craze. Why didn't the short sellers simply declare victory in their Carvana positions when the stock was at $3.55 in December? What were they thinking? That it had to go under? That it had to declare bankruptcy? Imbeciles. This market isn't like the old days pre-GameStop. This is a market where there are rabid traders eager to crush short sellers who overstay their welcome. They know they can engineer a short squeeze and send even lousy stocks soaring. How could the shorts not have learned their lesson? Honestly, if the short sellers had been less greedy, 
maybe the memesters never would have come to Carvana's rescue and the company might have gone under. Instead, the stock's back up to 44, in part because the company was able to raise a bunch of money and clean up its balance sheet. Just like Wayfair, the shorts are now pork products. Finally, to the real estate investment trust. I mean, we had Steve Yaloff. He's the CEO of Tanger Factory Outlet Centers on the show back in May when his stock was at 19 and the real estate investment trusts were way out of favor. He told an amazing story. Tanger's got a booming set of properties that are often destination places for families, especially when the weather's not so hot on the weekends. These places are all filled. The leases are going for a ton of money. There was a huge number of short sellers in the name, though, eager to bet against both retail and real estate investment trusts. Well, the shorts got smoked as the stock's now at $25. It hit a 52-week high today. I have a dozen of these. Oh, make it two dozen. These short positions and so many others were predicated on the idea that the economy was falling apart. Those were what I call theoretical shorts, where you were helpless if the theory turned out to be wrong and the economy didn't go into recession. I think there's a real lesson here. If you're negative and you stay negative when it's clear that the economic situation has changed, you have to declare either victory or defeat and move on. Go away. Either way, let me tell you something. The battle's over. You can't bet against a stock because of recession fears and then keep betting against it when those fears evaporate. You can't hope for your own outcome to the point where you ignore reality. That is and will always be a fool's game. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Mad Money Disclaimer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.